This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When we make the choice to put God first, he smells sweet savor. He knows all about our pressing priorities. He knows that we wake God in life. He knows that every pressing priority in our life is crying out to us, me first, me first, me first. And when we say no, 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 well, we say God first, God first, God first, in a very practical way, when we do that, for example, Bible before breakfast, he knows that we're hungry, we want to eat, but no, it's Bible before breakfast. As David put it in Psalm 55, 17, Psalm 55, 17, David said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and thou shalt hear my voice. From the beginning of the day, which by the way in the Jewish calendar starts at evening, in the beginning of the day all the way through, evening, morning, and at noon. In Psalm 5.3, Psalm 5.3, David said, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I lift my prayer unto thee, and will look up. And then he says in Psalm 119.62, At midnight, at midnight, I will arise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Daniel It's a great example of this. Daniel, when he knew that under the penalty of death, if he or anyone was seen praying to God, that was the penalty, what does he do? Daniel 6.10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before. He prays with his windows open, doesn't close his windows, three times a day for everyone to see. As for me, it's God first. That's what Daniel was saying, God first. And after Noah makes his God first decision, building the altar, making the sacrifices, God makes a decision. He says in his heart, I'm not going to do this again. I will not smite again the ground is for man's sake. He says, I understand that man's heart, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. He's, I know that but I'm not going to destroy the earth again with water. And so that God judged, but he hates to judge. God sends people to hell, 
but he hates to send people to hell. And God said he was not going to send another worldwide flood on the earth. He knows that man is not reformed. He understands that after the flood. He knows the imagination of the heart is still evil from youth, but he's focused on and he's giving himself to saving man from his sin and from the evil imaginations that come out of his heart. Then God says he's going to establish a covenant, a covenant, no more cutting off, no more destruction from a great worldwide flood. I mean, this is pretty relevant to us right now. We've just witnessed a great destruction of localized floods in Texas and in Florida, and we've all been shocked to see the destructive power of the these, these, these hurricanes, the winds, the rains, the storm surges from Irma and from Harvey and Jose and who else knows what else is out there going to come out, the names we haven't even thought of. But this has given us an opportunity to think back on the worldwide flood and God's promise that he said he's not going to destroy the whole earth. Now, God said to Noah, I've got a special token. I've got a special sign of the covenant and I'm not going to destroy it. And he says in verse 12, chapter 9, verse 12, 9, 12, God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud. Bow in the cloud. It'll be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. That's the rainbow. God called it the token of the covenant. He called the rainbow the token of the covenant. He called the rainbow the token of the promise. It was a promise that he made, he's referring to. So God announces his covenant. That's what God does. That's not what we do. When we make a covenant, when we make an agreement, we have a discussion, we have a negotiation, we have points we agree to, points we don't agree to. Finally, we come up with an agreement that is acceptable to both sides. Not so with God. Not so with God. We have no input on the terms of God's covenant and God's agreement with us. God makes the covenant and then announces it to man. That's the way the gospel is. The gospel is a covenant. The gospel is God's covenant where God has agreed to forgive a person's sin if they, they stoop and drink and live, if they look and believe and receive. And you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe that he is God, that he became a man, he died for our sins, you receive him as such, as Lord and Savior. That's all designed by God. And man didn't have any input into it, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing, because if man had some input into it, man would do something like this, he would sit there. Well, first of all, the whole thing would be seriously flawed if man had input, because man would say, this is an opportunity for me to get a little credit for a change. So I just think I'll put in there, man's good works also should be a part of the agreement. Oh, boy. So anyway, fortunately, God didn't listen. So God calls this, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it's going to be for a token of a covenant. God loves the rainbow. He loves his rainbow. He calls it his bow. He loves his rainbow, and he emphasizes certain parts of this rainbow. First of all, he calls it over and over and over again, a token, a token. Three times in verse 12, this is the token of the covenant, Genesis 9, 12. Verse 13, verse 13, it shall be a token of the covenant. Verse 17, this is the token of the covenant. Now the Hebrew word here that's used for token is the word ot, ot, which is translated token, but it's most frequently translated signs, 
a sign, something that's indicating something. As a matter of fact, the greatest signs that God did in the history of the Jewish people were the signs of the 10 signs, which are called plagues, that Moses did with one message that was continually coming from each sign. The sign of the water turned to blood. The sign of the invasion of the frogs. The sign of the infestation of the lice. The sign of the swarms of flies. The sign of the fatal livestock disease. The sign of the boils. The sign of the thunder and the hail. The sign of the cloud of locusts. The sign of the darkness and the greatest sign, the death of the firstborn. All of those signs after each one was the message, let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. That was the message behind each one of the signs. So each sign had the same message. So when God calls the rainbow three times an ot, a sign, we need to see that what's the sign saying? What is the message of the sign? Well, the rainbow does have a message. It has a message for us today. So as God is emphasizing here by saying two times where the bow would be seen. Twice he says that. In Genesis 9.14, 9.14, the bow shall be seen in the cloud. In Genesis 9.16, the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Now, you got to think about this, that when Noah comes out of the ark, well, first of all, he didn't have any clouds before the flood, so, you know, that's kind of new, but when he saw those clouds coming for the first time, he knew after a year what those clouds meant. They were disastrous. Those clouds let out so much water, so much destruction, so much death from those clouds. Those were a very, very frightening sight for Noah. And he was not in the mood to see any more clouds. And so he, they were really scary for him because he had seen so much death from the clouds dropping so much rain on the earth. So when God told Noah twice, that the bow would be seen in the cloud, Noah understood that the rainbow is going to appear at the most scary time, the most scary sight that Noah could see, which was the cloud coming. Just at the time when Noah would see a cloud after a storm where he had great reason to fear, that's the time when the rainbow would appear. And at the most scary time, the rainbow carries the message, don't be afraid, Noah, don't be afraid. I'm here in the face of this scary cloud. And so by appearing there in the scary cloud, the rainbow is saying to Noah, Noah, in the face of this cloud, I'm your answer. Just be assured that the storm is over. And the same Lord that put this rainbow in the face of the scary cloud, he puts his word in the face of those times when we are the most scared. And so for example, when we have to face death, when we have to face our own death or when we have to face the death of a loved one, the Lord doesn't desert us at that time, but he comes right in the face of the cloud as he did when Lazarus was dead and he came and it was terrible and it was scary and there was extreme weeping in it and he's right in the face of all of that death. He comes as the rainbow and he says in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The message, the storms passed over. Same message that's in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of our archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. As it says there in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the rainbow. That's like the rainbow that's seen in the cloud, how the Lord speaks to us in the special time, in a special way when we have our greatest needs. Just like the hymn says, just when I need him. Just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear. Ready to help me, ready to cheer, just when I need him most. That's the first message of the rainbow that's seen in the cloud. The rainbow is just like the Lord, coming with comfort when we need him most. And the rainbow comes when the storm's over. The rainbow appears, it's a sign. It's over now, it's gone. Just like the song says, keep me safe. In the dark of the midnight have I oft have I oft hid my face when the storm howls above me. There's no hiding place. Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by, till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. So in that sense, the rainbow is like the resurrection. Why? Because the greatest storm that ever was was at the cross, at the cross, when all of the sins of mankind were judged, they were laid on him, and judgment fell on the Lord Jesus Christ. He endured the wrath of the storm. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he hath made him to be the sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That storm was so terrible at that time that when he cries from the depths of his soul, Psalm 22.1, Psalm 22.1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, I'm not silent. The storm was so terrible on the earth at that time that the earth became dark, midday became midnight. When it says in Luke 23:45, 23:45, the sun was darkened. And the Roman soldiers who crucified the Lord Jesus, they were all the time there. They were there when he crucified him through his suffering, when he died, and they were even there at the tomb. They represented the storm clouds. And then what happened? The resurrection came right in front of them like the rainbow is seen in the face of the cloud of the Roman soldiers. And what's interesting about a rainbow is that the rainbow is brightest when the cloud is darkest. Now, it works out that the thicker the cloud, the brighter the rainbow. So the rainbow is like in proportion to the cloud, which is like the grace of God in proportion to the face of sin. We live in a very sinful world, and it's getting worse and worse. And it can be very discouraging for us because we see the sin everywhere. This is terrible in the world. But God's answer is Romans 5.20, Romans 5.20. Where sin abounded, think of a race. Where sin was running, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Grace outran it. Grace won. So the verse tells us, that verse tells us that where there's much sin, there's much opportunity for the grace of God, for evangelism, for salvation to abound. Just we're reading today that in North Korea, where this crazy man is oppressing so many people, the church is exploding in North Korea. There are so many more Christians like there was in China. Where there's so much sin, there's so much need for the gospel, for the invitation for people to be saved. Now, it's interesting how a rainbow 
needs two parts in order to be seen. There has to be one part of the sky which is clear and the other part which is cloudy. And it's like the rainbow, it stands like the rainbow stands on the edge of the cloud. See, there's the clear sky and then there's the cloud and the rainbow comes right in between. It's like the rainbow is standing in between the cloud-threatening sky there and the blue sky and in its position it's like the rainbow is talking to the dark clouds and the rainbow is saying no more dark clouds you cannot go one step further i will stand you to your face no you stop you cannot go further now that idea of the rainbow defying the clouds to go any further is just like the lord jesus christ who stood between heaven and hell life and death and just like the rainbow stands on the edge of the cloud, so the Lord Jesus Christ stands right on the edge of death. And he says to death, no, stop, you cannot go a step further. And we see the Lord Jesus doing this in Isaiah 25.8. In Isaiah 25.8, it says, he will swallow up death in victory. The Lord will wipe away all te tears from all, off all faces. The rebuke of his people shall he take away. It's just like, just like the altar, just like the altar of sacrifice, the altar and the tabernacle, the altar and the temple, where millions, literally millions of animals were consumed by the flames. Just consumed by the flames. The book Kidron, Kidron, it means dark river because of the blood that kept running off of the altar into that brook Kidron by Jerusalem. And so the animals were consumed by the flames from the brazen altar. And it was like the flames were crying out, more, more, give me more sacrifices, just like it says in Proverbs 27, 20. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full. They're never full. Or Isaiah 5, 14. Isaiah 5, 14. Hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. That's like the flames that grew larger as they consumed more sacrifices. And it all, but it all changed. It all changed when the Lord said in Isaiah 25, 8, he would swallow up death in victory. When he went on to the altar of God's wrath as a sacrifice, he turned around and he swallowed up the flames. He extinguished them so that we don't have to face the flames of God's judgment in hell. The flames came to consume him and he turned around and consumed the flames as it says in 1 Corinthians 15.54, 1 Corinthians 15.54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal will have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, when we think of a rainbow on the edge of the blue sky, defying the clouds to go no further, we can see the Lord Jesus who spoke in Hosea 13.14, Hosea 13.14, when he said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And then he then turns and speaks to death itself. And he says, oh, death, I will be thy plagues. Oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. Now, when the Lord Jesus said to death and to the grave, oh, death, I will be thy plagues. Oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. You know what that was like? That was like the Israelites. It was like the Israelites that every time they were down in that valley, they were fighting with the Philistines and they were fighting until Goliath came. Then they ran away. They ran away. We were like the Israelites. We were like the Israelites that ran away from the Goliath of death and the grave. We're no match for the Goliath of death and the grave, just like the Israelites were no match for Goliath. But the Lord Jesus is our David. 
He's our David, who without fear went into that battleground. He met the Goliath, and he conquered him. And our Lord Jesus met the Goliath of death and the grave and took him on, and he won for us, just like David did. Now, the rainbow is a marvelous display. It's incredible. Where individual water droplets, they work in concert to when the light comes in and it hits the edge of the water droplet, which is like a mirror, and then it shoots back out and refraction takes place, and there's a separation out. There's a fractionation of the light into the beautiful colors that are in the light. So the water droplets in a rainbow, they work together like a giant prism. I brought a prism here. I can't use it here because you need sunlight. I don't know. But afterward, maybe there's sunlight out there, so you can borrow this, and I got another one too, and especially with kids who want to do this. So anyway, who would have thought, who would have thought that light was made up of the beautiful colors of red and orange and yellow and green and blue and indigo and purple? Who would have thought that? Those colors are in the light. They're in the light. You can't see them. You can't see them until a prism or the water droplets in a rainbow break that light into those individual, gorgeous, dazzling colors. Light is made up of dazzling colors which can't be seen until a prism or the rainbow reveals them to us. It's not that light is ordinary, but in a sense, it's just light. I mean, when the prism applies it to the light, there's a surprising revelation. Whoa, this light is made up of awesome, beautiful colors. And without the rainbow or the prism, a person might say, it's just light. It's just, it's just good old ordinary light. Very useful when it's dark, but it's light. But with the prism of the glass, the prism of the water, and the rainbow, there's a revelation of the colors. And with the revelation, then a person says, oh, I had no idea that light was made up of those marvelous colors. That's why children are the best with a prism, because they really express, if they haven't seen it before, this wonder, you know, the awesomeness of the discovery that, wow, that all those colors were inside the light. You got to watch it. You just got to, I did it this morning. See a kid for the first time with a prism of light, you know, the light, really, it's amazing. After the service, you take this and go find some kids, you know. And because the child, when he's got that expression on his face of the wonder of it all, that's an ill, that's a lesson does it. Never lose that wonder. Never lose that wonder of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is introduced to us in a very dramatic way in the first verses of the book of John. And there's many names that are given to the Lord that we are given the Lord's names in the first verses of the book of John. It says there's John 1.1, John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehendeth it not. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came unto his own. His own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.